This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He was playing Madison Square last night, just saying. Where, where were you last night, Smalls? I played the fifth. I played the fifth. Interesting. Very interesting. This One, is two, three, four, five, fifth. This is Unsportsmanlike <laughs> with Evan, Candy, and Michelle coming to you live from the Seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose. All the series ended last night in Major League Baseball, Texas over Tampa. Minnesota over Toronto, Arizona over Milwaukee, Philadelphia over Miami. Saturday, we have all the games on ESPN Radio. Minnesota, Houston, Texas, Baltimore, Philly, Atlanta, Arizona, and the Dodgers in about uh, 15 minutes or so. And we will talk to Jeff Pass, an ESPN baseball insider and rapper. Um, yes, I said what I said. <laughs> When's the mixtape dropping, Jeff? We well, need we're, it. We're going I think to, it's already we had, out. We had the we're wild card joint. Now out. we have the division series. I need the mixtape. What do we think Jeff Passan's rap name is? That's a great question. I don't know. DJ Jazzy Jeff. I guess no, everything now is like already, it's like yeah. Lil or Duh. You know. Yeah. yeah. Lil Passy. Lil Passy. Lil Passy is great I don't, name. I don't know. Lil Passy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're workshopping. Lil, Lil this Passy. Is the first thing that <laughs> yeah, that's came a great life. point. I like we're that. workshopping. It's, it's fluid, like Stephen A. says. It's fluid. We're we're developing Jeff Passy's rap name. JP yeah. Baby. Okay. I like that. J- <laughs> wow. J- sound, JP like the slugger? Yeah. yeah. All right, you'll come up with it. You'll come up we'll with it. We'll figure it out. All right. uh, Thursday Night Football tonight, we got the Bears and the Commanders, of course. And we also have the Broncos this weekend playing. And uh, they came off of a win last week. They're coming up against the Jets in the game that we've all kind of been waiting for with the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl, which, what a weird one, the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl. But <laughs> their quarterback, Russell Wilson, of course, we know him more so for Seattle than we do for Denver right now. And uh, his former running back, Marshawn Lynch, Went on the Club Shay Shay podcast with Shannon Sharp, who you see can see um, as part of First Take with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Well, uh, Marshawn explained what went wrong between Russ and Pete Carroll back in the day. Look, man, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I'm, I'm, I'm not the. I wouldn't be the the, the right person to to speak on their relationship because I didn't like I didn't I didn't f- with them. You feel what I'm saying? So you didn't mess with who? I didn't f- with with Pete. Uh-huh. And then I mean, you know, Russ was. Like, just a quarterback for me. Right. You know what I mean? So it wasn't as... We, you didn't have no relationship? You didn't have no kind of a relationship? Y'all didn't, y'all didn't like, go to, a, go, go to a party? Y'all didn't get together? Y'all didn't do it? Y'all didn't kick it like that? So the thing is, I mean, you know, I respect Russell as, you know, feel me, as a player and as a teammate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anything that I say, you feel me, because of the situation, you know, throwing the pick on the goal line, not giving me the ball, this, that, and the third, him... You know, leaving from Seattle, you know, going over to Den- anything that I say is going to come off as, you know, malice or as if I'm, you know, a hater or right. because I mean, you know what? I, you know, I, I, I'll take Russ and I'll put him right there at quarterback and I'll rock with him right. because I have done that. Right. But I mean, you know, as far as anything else, it's like it, there's y'all no, didn't have a relationship outside of football. No, nah, there's no I mean, it can't right. pick up the phone and, 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 and call old right. boy or nothing. Right. And then, I mean, you know, what you mean you couldn't pick up the phone? I mean, I don't got his numbers. Oh. Okay, CC, we're going to take these one by one. We have another one we're going to play also, but I want to take this one first. Mm. How important is it for players to have a relationship outside of football? It's important to have a relationship. I don't know if it has to be outside of football. It can be confined to the realm of football and still be a good relationship. Like, there are guys that are teammates that I that I love that we didn't kick it outside of football. But there was always that mutual respect, and we would always hold one another accountable. And it doesn't feel like that's the case when former teammates describe 
how their relationship was with Russell Wilson, and that's probably the part that's the most jarring. Like, we know that he's been a player that's been a little bit different in terms of setting himself apart from the other 52 guys in the locker room, but it's put a strain in terms of what his responsibilities are to the organization being in a leadership role as the quarterback. So when I hear Marshawn talking about the relationship with Russell Wilson, he's not slamming him. But he's going out of his way not to step on any landmines. He's not caping for Russell Wilson, and that in and of itself is an indictment on Russ's sports character. Yeah, I mean, Small sent us the link to this, and we're watching the. And it was like a nine-minute video. Obviously, we're not showing you that all right now. And if you actually watch the whole thing, what CC just said is really important because Marshawn Lynch did not destroy Russell Wilson the whole time. In fact, I think he was a little bit guarded at times, and I don't know if defending him, but at least acknowledging we are not best friends. But he is a good football player. But here's the thing. He qualified his comments, right? Absolutely. He said, like, if, if I come out and say anything negative because of what happened, him throwing the interception on the goal line, not giving me the ball, it's going to come out like I'm a hater. And that's not what I'm trying to do. So I think Marshawn is sensitive or he's aware of the fact that, yeah, anything that he says negative about Russ – is going to be spun into this guy's just bitter that he didn't get the ball at the goal line on Super Bowl 49. And that's not what what's happening here. He's saying, yeah, Russ to me was just a quarterback, and it's different when it came to their relationship as opposed to how you would relate to other quarterbacks around the league. And in that clip, and if you watch it in its entirety, you can tell that he's being very delicate with his word choices. You can tell that he's trying to be as forthcoming and explaining his perspective and his experience on that team and with Russell Wilson without going out of his way to malign him. He he understands in that moment, you can hear it, that whatever I say, everybody's going to be talking about it the next day because it's an unusual situation and it was not a good one in Seattle. Smalls, he's probably one of the most popular NFL players when he was in the league and now in post-playing career. Everybody loves him. Have you ever seen Beast Mode tap dance around anything when somebody asks him a question? No. I've never seen it. He's as authentic as they come. Think about that. Beast Mode, uh, a straight shooter, a guy that's going to tell you exactly how he feels at all times, is tap dancing around the Russell Wilson situation. And the context of that is, or the backdrop to that is, all of the former Seattle Seahawks coming out and having negative things to say about Russ, especially guys on the defensive side of the ball. This is nothing good about Russell Wilson. Like yeah. I, I've never seen so many former teammates come out and slam a guy's sports character the way that I've seen it with Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. But look at what he did one. with not, the not, Jets. Not, 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 no, not no, to, but he's turning not, around. Not, not he's turning around. I mean, listen, people had a lot of negative things to say about one of my former teammates, Terrell Owens, who I actually loved as a teammate. I don't remember former players coming out and slamming Terrell Owens to this degree. Like, I, I, I don't remember that. Like, th- there have been numerous guys from that Seahawks team that have come out and said negative things about Russ. And so I, I just, at this point, it, it feels like it's less about them and it's more about Russ, especially after year one in Denver. And clearly, Marshawn feels a type of way about not only how Russ behaved, but how um, Pete Carroll and the coaching staff protected him in a lot of ways and enabled this behavior. But if you're the quarterback, you're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to, at times, be the singular voice. You're supposed to be the one bringing everybody together. And the fact that Russell Wilson isolated himself so much and put himself on a pedestal and the coaching staff basically enforced that behavior. It's kind of amazing to me that they were even able to have the success that they could because I can't imagine if I couldn't even call you, if if I had to go through a liaison to speak to either one <laughs> of you and then I'm supposed to sit here every day and do my job with you, 
That's outrageous. To think that Marshawn well, you Lynch. You don't. You call my assistant every time. I don't, I don't, wa- I don't want to out you. I, I didn't want to out you. One, but now this I'm is me out. talking to you directly. See, but here's the but thing. you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. fact that Marshawn could go out there, put that aside, and they could all be able to go out there and pull the rope the same way and compete, I think it says something about him. I'm getting Matt Damon, Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting vibes from Marshawn Lynch when they do. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I almost think that there's some part of Marshawn Lynch that is looking at this and saying, You've been enabled, Russell Wilson, so much by Pete Carroll and others that I, w- I want to be the one to kind of bring you back. It's, uh, there was a sympathetic and empathetic aspect of listening to Marshawn Lynch that you're right. We don't normally see. And I'm not saying he's not sympathetic or empathetic. He just doesn't show that publicly as much as he shows the happy-go-lucky. And I also think Marshawn Lynch is clearly a smart guy when it comes to football. Like, come on. Russell Wilson was awesome with the Seattle Seahawks. Not now as much, but then he knows that that was the guy. The thing that bothers me is that are we really going to blame Russell Wilson for the play call? The execution, fine. But, like, Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll called that play against the Pats in Super Bowl Forty Nine, the throw versus the run. And really what we're, everybody's mad at is the execution because if they completed the pass, are we going to complain that Marshawn Lynch didn't get the ball? But I don't even think that's what he's talking about. He, he only brought he that. He brought that up. But he only brought it up to say – because I didn't get the ball and we lost and Russell was the one that executed it or was at the epicenter of this. Anything that I say negative about him, people are going to bounce that back on me and say I'm a hater. He was only using that as a precursor to say this has nothing to do with what happened in that game. I'm just trying to explain to you what the situation is. Yeah, but I'm going to completely disagree with your take on the play call with Russell Wilson at the goal line in Super Bowl 49. Like What Marshawn Lynch was describing in terms of the preferential treatment and the lack of accountability when it came to Pete and Russ is probably what led to the play call in the first place. They wanted it to be Russell Wilson's team rather than the Legion of Boom and Beast Mode. They wanted him to be the face of the Seattle Seahawks. That's why they call that play, because they want him to be Super Bowl MVP. If Marshawn Lynch gets that touchdown, guess who's Super Bowl MVP? Not Russell Wilson. And so that is a part of... But that's the, not Russ's the, the, fault, though. Well, it, it isn't around. It, 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 it is in a way. If you, have, if you have that dynamic and you see that the coach is treating the quarterback differently and not holding him accountable in comparison to how he treats the other 52 guys in the locker room, that creates dissension. That splits your locker room. That splits your team. It doesn't lead to success. And that's probably why a lot of guys have come out and said negative things about Russ and his sports character and how how, how, his, how he was you know, not the best leader. It's because of all of those different things, the inconsistencies in terms of the treatment that they experienced and how that ultimately led to their undoing and their attempt to put together a dynastic run. So you can say it's not Russell Wilson's fault and it's all on Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll, but I think the quarterback is a part of how we got to this place and how he chose to lead or or, or, or lack of leadership in this sense, How that, that actually impacting the level of success that the team had. Right, so what – Really, what's interesting about this, if you think about it in a real-life sort of way, it's the it's the star performer at a company acting a certain way, being allowed to act a certain way, and it changes the way in which the company is run because of that star performer, right? And that, in this case, you're putting it on Russ. His attitude causes Pete Carroll to act this way. I'm saying, well, if your job is the head coach, you've got to change that stuff and that dynamic. We can go back and forth on this. The reality is – no? 
You're saying we can go back and forth. I mean, the result speaks for itself. They lost the Super Bowl. But they also won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they didn't win the Super Bowl because of Russell Wilson. Super Bowl MVP was Malcolm Smith. Right. They I had understand. a kickoff return for a touchdown, and their defense held the highest scoring offense to eight points. But Russ didn't hurt. I mean, Russ was a hell of a quarterback. I'm not, I'm not saying Russell didn't have anything to do with it. My, my point is they wanted Russ to have everything to do right. with it because of what they thought this thing could grow into and what he could be. But Russell Wilson, relating in his teammates in a certain way, created this dynamic that ended up creating a fissure but in, that, the t- that, in the team. That whole credit-blame game with that team may be the greatest argument of credit since Shaq and Kobe. We don't look at – think about any other title teams across sports where we're looking who gets the credit. That team between Russ, Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch, but, but, and Richard here's, but, but, here's, but here's where you lose in that argument, though. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. None of those former players are coming out and saying Pete Carroll's a terrible coach. They're not saying that. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're yeah. not accusing Pete of being a bad coach. Earl Thomas literally gave him the middle finger on the field. Yeah, yeah but that was, that's because but of this, how things ended with Earl well, Thomas in, at the end in Seattle. It didn't have anything. They had less to do with that and more to do with but Anyway, I don't want to go down that road, but what I'm simply saying is this. I hear more negative from those guys during that era of Seahawks football than I do about Russell Wilson than I do about Pete Carroll. And, and to yeah. me, that's where the player's perception of where the blame lies is the most important aspect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it feels like Russ wanted to be treated a certain way, and they're mad that Pete Carroll allowed it, that Pete Carroll didn't step in and say, you're just one of the guys, right. not the guy. Right. I, that I agree with. Coming up next, best of three format. Is that a good thing in Major League Baseball? We'll get to that next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. <laughs> Presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you. The voice you just heard is MLB insider for ESPN, Jeff Passan, and he joins us. Now, Jeff, now that Randy Rosarena and the Rays are out, do you have another player you would like to write a song about? I'm, I'm working on my uh, record, actually, Evan, so it's going to be dropping. Check out my IG. Like uh, We got all the, all the hits on there. Well, we have been trying to figure out your rap name, your musical name, Smalls. What do we have for Jeff so far? Uh, what do we say? Um, Lil Passy? Lil Passy was one of them. JP Baby. Oh. JP to Baby. Because we're, we're trying to think of modern rap names, Jeff. Yeah, I know. Modern rap names suck. So be a little better. Wow. Wow. All right. Let's talk about uh, what happened yesterday. We had all four series coming to an end. Do we still like the three-game format for the first round of the playoffs? You know, I always romanticize the one-game format, honestly, because I love, like, winner-takes-all games. You just don't get enough of them in sports, and that was like a forced version of it. But – 
I understand it's a little more fair to do it this way. Uh, wasn't a lot of drama, though. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, just for the second time, we had uh, four teams clinch on the same day. And, uh, it, like, none of these series was particularly close. Like, there was clearly a better team in each of them. And so uh, it was not the wild card round that we were looking for, but I'm hoping that the Division Series and LCS and World Series can make up for that. Jeff, yesterday the Twins won a postseason series for the first time since 2002, and it sets up for a spicy division series against the Astros because Carlos Correa now plays in Minnesota. Do the Twins go from a feel-good story to a team that can make some noise, or does Cinderella lose her glass slipper against the Astros? Now, I'm just going to preface this by saying I hate making predictions because, generally speaking, uh, it never works out well. But I had the uh, Twins beating the Astros, uh, actually, in the division series before it started. And everything that I liked about the Twins uh, came true in their wild card series. Their starting pitching with Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray was awesome. Their bullpen is just, like, replete with guys who are throwing 100-mile-per-hour fastballs and nasty breaking balls, and they can hit. And, you know, they didn't hit it time yesterday but they hit enough and they played clean defense and I I think the Astros are a I'm not going to say they're a vulnerable team because it would be foolish to suggest that a team that has gone to six consecutive American League Championship Series is vulnerable I will say this I don't think this is quite the same team that won the World Series last year or that we've seen in recent seasons I think there's some vulnerabilities there and uh, even though they have home field advantage, I think the Twins can take advantage of those. Jeff, in addition to the actual baseball, one of the storylines that came out of this first round was about the crowds, what you saw in Philly, what you saw at Target Field, and the anemic crowds yep. that you saw for the Rays. I know that people say, oh, the bridge, the time of the game. They're building a new stadium yep. there. Do you yep. think there's yep. the appetite there in Tampa Bay for baseball? Hmm. That's a really good question, Michelle. And I wish, I wish I could immediately answer yes. But I, I'm just going to look at the facts here. The facts are that the Tampa Bay Rays have, over the last decade, built a sustainable winning organization. The kind of franchise that when you're, tr- like, when you're being a fan, it's exactly what you want. They haven't, you know, they haven't won a championship yet, admittedly. And, and that's, that's problematic. Uh, But at the same time, is it problematic enough that half the stadium is filled up for a playoff game? Uh, You can talk about uh, the location. You can talk about the stadium. You can talk about the game time. You can talk about all of those things. When you have a team that wins 99 games and is as good as the Rays are, you should show up. And if they don't have enough fans to show up for a playoff game, I don't know when they will. Talking with ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passan here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Let me follow up on that. What makes a bigger difference then, Jeff, the amount of fans in Philly or the lack of fans in Tampa? I mean, the number of fans in Philadelphia and just how loud they are, uh, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I said this when I was on Scott Van Pelt a couple days ago. Uh, it's like an SEC stadium. Like, that's that's the closest facsimile and. You just don't find that in a baseball crowd very much, but it's it's not a baseball crowd; it's a Philly crowd, right? <laughs> like there's there's a difference between those two things, and 
this Philly crowd was absolutely incredible and it's going to continue to be, and it's the best series by far of the four division series, Braves and Phillies. And so, Jeff, to that end, which team out of the wild card round could you see actually winning it all? Here's the thing. Um, I picked the Braves before the postseason began, and I think I'm going to stick with the Braves uh, because that lineup, you know, it is literally, like, I'm not exaggerating here, it is unlike anything that we've ever seen. The, The Atlanta Braves in 2023 had a slugging percentage of 501. Uh, that's better than the 1927 New York Yankees. Like, it's, it's the best that there has ever been in baseball. And so I, I just have a really difficult time picking against a team that has an offense like that, and yet there are vulnerabilities there. You know, Max Fried hasn't pitched in a few weeks because of blister on his finger. And uh, Spencer Schroeder, uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, but – Everything is lining up correctly for the Braves uh, to go and win their second World Series in three years. And uh, I think it's awesome that they're going to have to go through Philadelphia and specifically through Citizens Bank Park to actually go and do it. Jeff, we were talking about this earlier in the show. Texas winning their first postseason series since 2011. We know that the Twins snapped that 18-game postseason streak. They're in for the first time since, or advancing, excuse me, for the first time since 2002. Arizona making the first playoff appearance since 2017. Do you think it's good for baseball that we're having some fresh blood infused into the postseason? Uh, I think it's awesome as a baseball fan. Um, you know, I, I, I have that, that weird like balance that I I would like to strike between the big bad teams that are going to draw a lot of eyeballs and the teams in cities that uh, haven't seen playoff baseball in a while and really deserve it. And I I think the balance is more in favor of the latter this year. You know, this is a postseason that doesn't have New York, that doesn't have Chicago, that has one team from Los Angeles, um, I mean, this is not a big market postseason. Uh, I live in Kansas City, so I dig it. I grew up <laughs> in Cleveland, so I dig it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I also understand that at the end of the day, we're going to have stories about anemic baseball ratings. And, I, frankly, I, I just hope that's not the case because the game is so much better this year, guys. I mean, I, I don't know what you think, but I think the pitch clock has been the godsend that baseball needed and seeing these games that still have the tension, like nothing has been taken away from the games, which was the fear of the pitch clock. Like, Oh my God, are we going to lack the drama? No, no. The answer is unequivocally. No, the drama is still there. The fans are still going nuts. It's just, the games are a lot quicker. And I'd like to believe that that's going to appeal to a lot more people this time of year when they, not just rooting for their teams, but want to just see really good baseball being played. A final thing here with Jeff Pass and ESPN MLB Insider, of course, all the baseball games on ESPN Radio. Yes or no answer. Uh, as a Mets fan, should I be worried that Scott Boris is now representing Pete Alonso? <laughs> well, it depends. I'm sorry. I, I know you wanted a yes or no answer, <laughs> but it depends on how you feel about Pete Alonso and what you would like them to do. So tell me your well, okay, so then, no, you answer, You actually answered the question. No, you answered the question, meaning that if anybody thinks, oh, he's just back, well, now we have a different conversation, which may be good or bad for the franchise based on what your feeling is based on Yeah, I, yeah. I, here's the thing. I think regardless of, of the agent that 
Pete Alonso was going to be represented by, um, it, like him coming back was not a fait accompli. I know yeah. that David Stern said I expect him to be my opening day first baseman next year, but you know there are a lot of things we expect in life that don't come true. And uh, it, it, you know, if if I'm a betting man, is he eh, probably? But I'm not putting much more than a quarter on it. Jeff, thank you very much. We appreciate it. That news about uh, Boris and Alonzo just coming across this morning. Boris is the agent you want. That's the CC's nodding his head like I would have liked him as well. Coming up next. My agent did pretty good, though. He did. My agent did pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Can he or can't he next on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Yes, it is time for Canny or Canty here on Unsportsmanlike. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Canny or Canty is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com. Or just stop by. Michelle and I give Chris over-unders, and we ask, can he do it or can't he do it? In other words, can he go over or under? Smalls, kick us off. All right, let's start with Sam Howell. Total passing yards, can't he? Over-under, 243.5. I'm going to go with over. I mean, the Chicago Bears secondary ain't the greatest. And Sam Howell is coming off of a performance where he threw for 290 yards, a touchdown, and 70% completion percentage against one of the top defenses in the league and one of the top pass rushes in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they build on that performance that they had four days ago at the link, and they end up being on the right side of the outcome this time around. Let's Talk about the Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Can he or can't he over or under 92 and a half, 192 and a half? Excuse I'm gonna, me. I'm gonna go under on this one, uh, and that's just because of the pass rush that the Washington Commanders are bringing to the party. Those guys can flat out get after it. You saw them give Jalen Hurts a little bit of trouble early on in that game. Uh, I, I think this front four, when they're dialed in, is gonna is gonna really really affect Justin Fields' production in this game. So I'm gonna go under. All right, let's go rushing yards. We'll stay on Fields. CC over under 46 and a half. I'm gonna go actually over on this one. The Washington Commanders, even though their pass rush 
is one of the, the dominant pass rushes with four-man fronts. They allow the third most rushing yards to quarterbacks of any defense in the NFL through the first quarter of the season. So I do think that pass rush, being a little undisciplined, getting out of lanes, creates opportunities for him to get uh, pick up some yards with his legs. Brian Robinson Jr., over, under 63 and a half, and will he wear one of those big hats? I'm going under <laughs> ever so slightly. I, I like, actually, Brian Robinson Jr. to go over on rushing and receiving yards total, but I'm going to say under on the rushing yard solely because I think Sam Howell is going to have a big day with his arm in the passing attack. Let's go to total receiving yards, CC DJ Moore over under 49 and a half. Under and DJ Moore is going to start getting frustrated in Chicago. Like they, they like they, the quarterback quite literally can't get on the ball. They made some plays last week against the Broncos, but the Broncos defense is the worst in football. That is not the commander's defense. And they have a young star in Emmanuel Forbes, their first round pick out of Mississippi State. He's going to be shadowing DJ Moore everywhere he goes. There's going to be some problems for DJ Moore tonight. What about Terry McLaurin? Over, under, 59 and a half. Over, over. I'm never going to fade Terry McLaurin because he is that dude, doesn't get the credit that he deserves. You see what he's capable of doing every time he goes out there. I mean, he nearly won the game for the Commanders in overtime. He came a a big toe away from catching a pass that would have put that team in scoring position for go-ahead points. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go over with Terry McLaurin. All right, let's go to total receptions. Cole Komet, the Bears tight end, over, under, two and a half. By the way, he, I bet, if where they continue to fall out of it, becomes a trade candidate. Just a thought. Yeah, I'm going to go over with this one. I think that Justin Fields looks to get the ball to his safety valve early and often because that pass rush from the Commanders is going to be on it. All right, Jahan Dotson for the Commanders, over, under, three and a half total receptions. Over. Again, I think this is going to be a big night for Sam Howell and the Commanders passing attack, and Jahan Dotson is a big piece of that, so I'm going to go over on his numbers as well. And there you have it for Canny or Canty, the over, under numbers, and that, of course, is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions. For every industry, Granger is the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by today. You know, something developed for Monday Night Football that really became news yesterday. And the Monday Night Football game, I don't know if you saw this, Chris. It was the um, Seahawks and the Giants. Um, the Seahawks of course I saw it. Won that game. <laughs> uh, of course I saw it. I wish I could unsee it. Right. So um, It's seared in your brain. Jamal yeah. Adams, safety for the Seahawks, was out for 385 days. He comes back. He plays. He immediately is taken into concussion protocol and has a thing on the sideline a little bit with one of the the independent um, people that are evaluating him for the concussion. He really went after the guy, was not happy with the guy, and walks off the field. And Adam Schefter, of of course, phenomenal ESPN NFL insider, reported that the NFL and NFLPA were evaluating his conduct on the sideline. He came out, and he being Jamal Adams, came out last night and apologized, saying he wasn't himself. CeCe, I know this ticked you off a little bit. Not Adams, but even the thought of an investigation here on this. It's ridiculous. The guy's concussed. We know how concussions can affect somebody's behavior, how they can act out of character, how they can't control their emotions, their inhibitions. They don't have control. They don't have awareness of what they're doing. So the fact that the NFL wants to consider disciplining Jamal Adams – after he suffered a concussion, which is keeping him off the field, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. The player is not in a situation where he can show restraint. He quite literally 
doesn't know where he is. I, I don't understand this aspect of it. Now, I get it. The unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, the NFL, wants to make sure they protect the process. They protect their, their, those people's ability to be able to do their jobs. But they have to have some empathy toward Jamal Adams in this situation because the fact that the unk is on the sideline, it's for player safety. It's to protect the player from themselves. Sometimes you're going to have to fight with the player because they want to be out on the field and they don't realize that they can't play. So this is one of those things that I think on its face is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's crazy that it's even a conversation. When have you heard of a player being like, hey, I'm concussed? They don't know what's happening. So how can you expect their behavior to be a certain way when they're, when they're trying to process what's happening? And here's the other context. Jamal Adams ain't played football in a year. So he's excited to be out there. Like, all in his mind, he's, he's played football all his life. So he wants to get back to doing something that he quite literally could not do for a year. He wants to be on the field. So that that is what's driving everything. And, and again, I go back to when a player suffers a traumatic brain injury – they are not always aware of their surroundings. They are not always aware of the proper decorum or how to use, how to have professionalism in the moment, how to handle those types of things. I assume it happened to you at some point. Oh, I've had, I've had several concussions. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I think this is a situation where the NFL has to take a step back and say, hey, we're, we're, we're missing the forest through the trees. Like, this is about player safety. This is about making sure we do right by Jamal Adams because this is a player, quite literally, that suffered a significant injury. And especially— Just because it's not a physical injury in terms of a broken leg or a torn ACL doesn't mean that it's not a significant injury. When you have a brain injury, again— you, you have a propensity to act out of character. You cannot control your emotions. You cannot control your inhibitions. You cannot regulate yourself. And so for him to berate the unk, it's not a surprise to me because I've suffered a, a concussion before. I know how you can act out of character. And to me, this is, this is the, 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 the case that's the perfect example for it. So there's one other thing, and I'm pretty sure about this. We can double-check this. I'm pretty sure that not one player this year that has been put into concussion protocol and left the game for that played the next week. And the reason I bring that up is because there's not a rule about it, but it almost feels like now it's becoming an unwritten rule that if you're ever in concussion protocol, you're almost going to have to sit out a game, which was not the case, obviously, when you were playing. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder how you can have that level of understanding and not the level of understanding when it comes to this. There's a reason that you don't want to put someone at risk for the next week because something's wrong. Something's legitimately in an uncontrollable way wrong. That man was not being himself the other night because he literally wasn't himself getting hit in the head and obviously could not act in the way that he was supposed to be acting. And thus, how are you going to penalize him for that? Coming up, the most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smolman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. With you, you can watch us on ESPNU, listen to us on SiriusXM80, all the great ESPN stations across the country, ESPN app. All right, we close out our portion of the show before we hand off ESPN Radio to Greeny at 10 a.m. Eastern with our unsportsmanlike moments of the day, right? So for us, they're moments that we screw up. For others, they're moments that we laugh at, right? We are the screw-ups. They are the funny ones. So here we go. First, Chris Canty's unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Let's take a listen. I played with El Dorado Owens. For those of you that don't know, that's T.O. Like, I played with T.O. three years in Dallas. All right, that wasn't a screw-up. That was just him calling him El Dorado. What? Can I ask why we call him El Dorado? That's his middle name, El Dorado. I never knew that. Yeah, but That's you can't call name. him that. Yeah. Why can't we call him that? It's well, just the same way you can't call me C. Gutter. I mean, there's <laughs> levels to this. No, like, Pat Costello is saying we can't call him that. Who can't that's call a, him that? That's a wild thing to call to you. I've never in a, ever heard anyone call him that. Well, okay. Well, you were never in the locker room with him. Well. So there is that. Yeah. Javante, you got anything on that? Any humble brag on that one from him? It's not a humble brag. It's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's good on that one. All right. uh, There's a moment from me, I guess, today that would be the unsportsmanlike moment of the day. 1738. Yeah, that's bad. Again, the singing without the music is really nasty that they get me on constantly, but well done by you guys. Uh, How about last night on the Rays broadcast against the Rangers, obviously seen and heard on ESPN and ESPN Radio, Phenomenal announcer Sean McDonough, like all time great, oh, elite, he's the best. first yeah. ballot Hall of Fame announcer, had a great line about the Rays fans. Take a listen. And on the third goes Sager, and some booze starting to come down from the group. I'm not sure we could call it a crowd. The group here at the truck. <laughs> booze coming down from the group. So disrespectful. We can't but call accurate. it a crowd. So disrespectful. Again, I, I, I'm going to defend the Tampa Bay Rays fans. Oh, okay. I think, Here we I go. Think it, 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 all of them? I, all of them. And, and I don't think that crowd at the Trop is representative of how passionate they are. Uh, I mean, it might not be the most passionate fan base, but in defense of the Rays fans, the Trop is an absolute dump. It is. There's no th- – this this stadium should have been phased out of baseball a decade ago. This is awful to go in there and try to watch a baseball game. I don't care if you what the location is. I don't care about the quality of the building. I don't care what the start time is. Passionate fan bases will be there. You think in Philly, if you had to cross a bridge or be there at 3 p.m. or if there was water coming out of the ceiling, that they're not going to pack it to the rafters? Of course they are. Well, you got the water coming out of the ceiling in the trop, and you got more raps than the MTA in New York City, Smalls. Are, do, <laughs> do you really do you want to go watch a game in that? If I care about my team, I'm going to be right, there. So okay. here's the counter, and I know it's less people, but like every town in America has that dive bar that's always packed. Love a dive bar. That everybody loves the food and the drinks and the camaraderie and everything like that. Everybody probably I, – I could think of the place right now. There's a wing place near where I grew up called the Candlelight. It's the greatest – have you been there? Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay, you'd love it. No. Unbelievable wings, right? Complete dive bar. Mm-hmm. It's packed. You are waiting outside constantly. They need to build that as a dive bar. <laughs> yeah. They need to the, make the only, the only problem the is, the only problem is I can watch it on TV. Like, I can't get the vibes from the dive bar on, on TV or social media. You can actually watch the Rays on TV, and that's probably where, well, that's obviously where most of their fans elect to do so. All right. Go ahead, Small. Sorry. 
I just don't know why we're we're giving them any excuses. We would not do that for any other fan base. We've just become so so neutralized to that place not having fans that we just absolve them of it. But it's the appetite does not seem to be there. For postseason baseball, you're not going to show up? Well, we have El Dorado with Canty. We have 1738 with me singing. We have Sean McDonough with the group. And now we have the doggy, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Wednesday's on first take. He does What Are You Mad About with Stephen A. and Molly. And uh, yesterday with Marcus Spears as well, CC's former teammate and ESPN teammate here. Uh, take a listen to the doggy and what he is mad about from yesterday. Did anybody see the Ryder Cup and the U.S. involvement with the Ryder Cup? A little laugh. Oh, my God. The U.S. was so bad. Oh and Zach Johnson, I could have picked the lineup. Here is Ricky Fowler. Where is it? It's in the water on 16. Oh, my God. Where is Dustin Johnson, who was 5 on one last time? It's not a cup he wants to pick on the team because he's on lift. Zach Johnson was atrocious. Unbelievable. He sent out Sanders. And look at Nakaba having a fight. I love Joe. But he's having a fight with McElroy on Saturday afternoon because McElroy couldn't fight. Look at that. He's a caddy. <laughs> The best part, is, I actually think the funniest part of him going crazy about the, the hat with the Ryder Cup and Joe LaCava yeah. and Rory McIlroy, the best part is turning to Stephen A., Molly, and Marcus Spears, diehard football fans, and asking them on Saturday, did you guys, and Sunday, did you guys watch the Ryder Cup? Like, no, <laughs> they're watching. No, we didn't watch the Ryder Cup. We were watching Dion yeah. and Boulder and Coach Prime and doing his thing against USC. That's what we watching. I don't know. I, I didn't know Doggy was that passionate about golf. Uh, oh, my God. I, I had no idea. You know, idea. he once got hit in the head uh, yeah. with a golf ball? Yeah. No, how? Oh, God, it was What's terrible. Gushing blood, was playing golf, hit in the head. He texted us the picture, and it, it was na- – like, thank God he's okay. He is an obsessive golf and tennis guy. Okay. He'll do double headers, golf and tennis. Very competitive. Riveting. Loves it. Playing and watching? Oh, yeah. He's a country club guy. Come on now. You should know that. Must be nice. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure he was a country club guy. He was talking about putting 10 dimes with Fat Tony on the Colorado <laughs> Oregon Fat game. Rob. Fat Rob. Fat Rob, whatever his name <laughs> the is. The preacher. The half yeah, the gummy exactly. circle I wouldn't take that as a country it's club guy. It's country club behavior. Nah, exactly. <laughs> you know, That's unbecoming of a gentleman no, you know at the country what? club. It, it is country club behavior. We just don't talk about it at the country club. Country club guys don't call it 10 dimes. Country club guys don't talk about taking gummies. <laughs> but they all do. I, I'm telling wow. you that. I'm sure okay. they all do. I'm all sure right. they all do. Alrighty. All right, Commanders and the Bears tonight. Commanders are favored by six. You love the Commanders. You've ragged on the Bears, obviously, deservedly so. Commanders minus six. You taking them? Yeah, I'll take them later six. The, the Bears are done. Like, the Bears' last gasp was the Denver Broncos. When you can't beat the worst defense in all of football in a team that was like you winless through the first three games – it ain't going to happen for you. I think the players in the locker room are about to tap out. They know that Matt Eberflus is on borrowed time. And for that matter, the quarterback and the general manager as well. So, yeah, I think this is when they all let go of the rope. And the commanders are the beneficiaries of that taking advantage tonight, coming off of a two-game slide uh, against the Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. So is tomorrow then, let's, say, let's assume you're right. Let's assume that the commanders win tonight. Yeah, And then let's assume you're also right. They don't fire Eberflus, but they're maybe at some point considering moving Justin Fields. Okay, now we have the, the, the big ones out of the way. Is tomorrow then the day they start cleaning house, Clay, Chase Claypool's cut, other guys may be cut, just like, all right, we can't have this anymore. We're starting to hear Adam Schefter report, hey, you know, as you mentioned, 
DJ Moore, could he potentially go somewhere in a mega trade or whatever it is? It's tomorrow that day if they lose. Yeah, tonight. let's auction off pieces, right? What's, what's the point in keeping premium talent on your roster that's going nowhere? Like, you're stripping it down to the studs. Anything that's not nailed down, go ahead and sell off. Like, if you got rookie, like guys on rookie contracts that you like that are starters and quality players, then okay, I can understand holding on to them. But there's no reason to hold on to DJ Moore. There's no reason to hold on to Justin Fields if he ain't going to be your quarterback. Like, there is an opportunity for you to trade off pieces and acquire more draft capital because clearly your future is in college football right now. It's not on your team. Would they rather have more guys on USC or their own team? I don't know. I'm not going to disrespect I, NFL players like I'm that. Not saying that I'm not, USC go, I'm is not better. going to disrespect I'm NFL players I'm not saying USC like is better. What I'm yeah. saying is when they look at the USC roster, do they say, we have a better chance of taking that as our top end versus what we have? Yeah, I mean, the quarterback, obviously, yeah. Caleb Williams. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Caleb Williams, he, he's so good. He might be a top half of the NFL quarterback today. Yeah. Like, he might real. be that. Like, <laughs> that's how good that dude then is. And you just answered my question. You just definitely answered that question. Greeny is coming up next. Enjoy Thursday Night Football tonight. We are on to Friday. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.